Today's episode of the Ed Curation Podcast is sponsored by Activate Learning. Are you looking for a science curriculum that engages your elementary students in hands-on learning while developing critical thinking skills? Try Activate Learning Prime, the innovative STEM education program designed to educate both students and their teachers. Visit Activate Learning at edcuration.com and learn about their free pilot opportunity. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We're bringing you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Christy Hemingway, and our guest today is teacher, coach, literacy expert, and author, Jennifer Saravallo. Jennifer started her career as a classroom teacher in New York City schools before transitioning to the role of literacy consultant. This work led her to write her first book, which then predictably led to a bunch of other new opportunities. So now I do a a mix of all those things. I'm in schools. I do writing. I do consulting. I do speaking. I do all those things. Um, And I was even an advisor for Parents Magazine for a little stint there. I also support a team of 18 different consultants who work with schools around the country, throughout Canada and Latin America, who use my books and resources in their schools. Jennifer's company is Literacy Strategies Consulting. Their sweet spot is kindergarten through eighth grade, and you can find the link in the episode notes, along with her other books and resources, which honestly are the most pragmatic and essential teaching handbooks you'll ever find anywhere. Jennifer has written the books, Teaching Writing in Small Groups, A Teacher's Guide to Reading Conferences, Understanding Text and Readers, and many other resources that help teachers make goal-directed, responsive strategy instruction, conferring, and small group work doable in every classroom. Now that you know about the many goodies that await you in the episode notes, we're mostly here today to talk about a brand new edition of Jennifer's New York Times bestselling book, The Reading Strategies Book. The new edition is called The Reading Strategies Book 2.0, and even if you have the first edition already, you're going to want to get your hands on this update. Well, it's mostly for teachers, kindergarten through eighth grade teachers, although I said, you know, we could adapt it to the high school grades as well. But I also think teachers in training at universities would really find a lot of help in it. Although the title says reading, you might think it's for ELA teachers or elementary school teachers only, but really I think it fits in every subject area. So I think teachers that are teaching history or science at the middle school level can find a lot of help in there around how to support their kids reading of textbooks or reading of text features or having discussions about what they're reading. So really it's for it's for everybody that's working with kids no matter what instructional approach, no matter what curriculum you use, no matter your you know subject level and I think it's what the feedback I'm getting from teachers is it doesn't matter if you're a you know 30 year veteran all the way to beginning teachers who are who are just starting out. So really, it's it's meant for everybody. Yeah, and I think that's really an important point because this is not just a book for reading teachers or ELA teachers. Yeah, I want to give our listeners a little bit of an idea of exactly what this book is. So it's divided into 13 different categories, and each one of those categories is has a generous offering of different strategies and 
the lesson plans are written so that the strategies, it really shows you and walks you through the application of those strategies. So it's not the kind of book that you just sit down and read from start to finish on a weekend, right? It's a resource or a reference guide. So help teachers listening to understand how to best use this book. Yeah, so it definitely, it's a big book, but you don't have to read it cover to cover at all. It's really a flip and find kind of a resource. So you mentioned the 13 different categories, 13 different chapters, ranging from how to engage and motivate readers to how to support students who are just beginning reading, helping kids read words, helping kids read fluently, lots of chapters around comprehension, writing about reading, speaking and listening around reading. So it's it's very, very comprehensive. So I had to design it in a way that was easy to find stuff very fast. So in the first edition of the book, I came up with a color coding system. So every chapter has a color and it corresponds to this graphic and the inside front cover. So it's really easy to say, oh, I know my student needs help with decoding the words. I'm going to flip to the decoding chapter, right? Super simple. But what I was watching with the first edition was that people were having a hard time navigating within each chapter to find amongst the 30 different strategies within the chapter, which one should I pick? In this 2.0 edition, I've created these skill progressions that function as an if-then chart. So basically, I look on the left-hand side and I say, if my student is, and if we take, for example, the fluency chapter, reading word by word, then here are three strategies I would teach to move them along. If the student is reading in phrases and needs support with intonation and expression, then here are the four strategies I would teach. So it's really easy to very, very quickly find just what you need amongst the 300 plus strategies in the book. Yeah. And so don't, for anybody who orders the book, don't get overwhelmed <laughs> when you, because when I first got it in the mail, I was a little overwhelmed. I thought, wow, so a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it's like a filtering process, right? So you you apply your first filter with the with the chapters, and then you apply your next filter with exactly what's kind exactly. of what you're looking for. And then within each of the strategies, there's also a bunch of different helpful components. So mm-hmm. you've got that skill progression call out that you talked about, but there's also research links and prompts and skills a skills list and visuals. So. Tell our listeners about some of those features that are also there to to make it so user-friendly for them. So when I talk about a strategy page, I mean a page that has strategy language, which is in my terminology, a step-by-step how-to. And then there's other elements that you can use right away when you're teaching kids. So like you mentioned, the lesson language, which gives a little few sentence to a paragraph of how it would sound when you're explaining or demonstrating the strategy to a student, or a little teaching tip that gives you suggestions for maybe multilingual learners or students with IEPs. There's a research link that gives a really concise summary of key peer-reviewed studies that link to that particular strategy the progression language. So you can navigate within the chapter. Wait, where was I again? What was this particular strategy especially useful for? What skills am I trying to support kids with? There's a list of prompts, which if you're sitting side by side with a reader or at a small group table with readers, you can give them these prompts to coach them along and help them with the strategy. So the page is really designed to be immediately you turn to it and you teach from it. I know teachers that hold it in their lap when they're teaching because you can just read the steps off the page and then you can use those prompts to help them. And then, oh yeah, I can't forget. 
on every page is a big visual of some kind. Usually it's a classroom chart. Sometimes it's a tool. Sometimes it's a photograph of students in action with the strategy. That visual is meant to anchor the students and focus them on, on what they're learning. And teachers can replicate them or pretty soon there'll be a flip book chart flip book out that you can just use so that you can grab those charts right away and teach from them. Yeah, I love the visuals. I'm a visual learner myself, but I think that any teacher appreciates knowing what does this look like and Mm -hmm. what's this chart going to look like in my classroom. And all of those tools are especially helpful to a couple of the categories that you mentioned of new teachers and also teachers who reading is not their content area, but they're really wanting to uh, offer that kind of assistance and those kind of maybe interventions or strategies for students in even a math classroom or definitely a social studies classroom, anything where, well, I mean, literacy is the foundation of really all our content, isn't it? So. It really is. I mean, you think about math teachers listening might resonate, this might resonate with them. The idea that, you know, you've got kids who can do the arithmetic, they could do the calculation if it's all a numbers problem, but you get to the problems that have three sentences and you have to wade through and the skills you need, the reading skills you need for that math problem are to determine importance, organize information, be able to summarize and retell. These are skills that are addressed in this book. So history teachers who have a textbook that everybody has to read in the in the class and they know there's a good portion of the kids in the class that are just not able to read that text independently they need strategies they need strategies for handling complex text for navigating the 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 busy pages for studying text features there's a whole chapter in this book on how to study different kinds of text features and how to determine the information from it so yeah i think everyone's a reading teacher yeah it's true and and I can imagine a math teacher thinking, oh my gosh, this isn't my job and I don't know how to teach this. This book is for you. And you further break down the strategy or you categorize them into cognitive, metacognitive, and management strategies. And they're kind of tagged accordingly. So define each of those for our listeners. So that what you're referring to is part of a chapter that starts off the book. Well, I don't think you need to read the whole book. You should read this chapter. It's called Getting Started. So if you get your book and it says, how do I get started? There's a lot of stuff here. The Getting Started chapter will help you. And in that first chapter are things like navigational tips, how to find things quickly. And then there's this section that you're, you're drawing from that has this research base for strategy instruction. So these categories, management, cognitive, and metacognitive, these are not actually my categories. This is if you look at the the body of research that deals with strategy instruction, the researchers who study this came up with those categories. So they include everything from management things like um, being able to manage myself, which is blocking out distractions or being able to stay focused on my work to managing anything contextual. Like, can I work with my peers? Can I work with friends nearby? Can I, how do I have discussions with one another? Metacognitive, cognitive is just, is, is anything having to do with your thinking or to make your thinking process better. And metacognitive is being aware of what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm reading and I realize, oh, I don't really understand what I just read. You're being metacognitive to know to go back and to reread and to fix it up. So I introduced the the book in this way because I wanted to show that these different kinds of of strategies, these different categories of strategies show up across the book in in each of these chapters, that this this is the body of research on which this entire book sits. 
It is really fascinating research, and especially the research around metacognition that we have come to understand that it's really the metacognitive portion of the of our pedagogy and our strategy that creates transfer, right? Absolutely. And also that, you know, that, that what we're trying to do is to create readers who are strategic. Mm-hmm. So readers who approach challenges with tools, they get into difficulty, whether it's word level difficulty, comprehension difficulty, whatever it is. And they say, ah, I know what I can do here. I'm going to be active. I'm not going to just say this text is too hard. I'm going to close it. Or I'm going to go ask my teacher what the answer is. We're trying to create kids that are active, independent. And it's a lot in that reflection piece of being, of coming to a spot where you don't just say, I don't get it, but what did I do last time when Mm -hmm. I felt like I wasn't getting something and Mm -hmm. you know, what worked for me again? It's that piece that we all want to have as human beings. Right? We all want to be reflective human beings. While we're talking about strategies for more deeply engaging learners, I want to remind our listeners that today's episode is sponsored by Activate Learning. Do you want to engage your elementary students in learning science by doing science, but struggle with limited time, content knowledge, and usability challenges? Look no further than Activate Learning Prime, the innovative STEM education program from UChicago STEM Education. Prime is the result of a rigorous iterative development process by a team of content and classroom specialists designed to apprentice both teachers and students. With a focus on developing critical thinking skills alongside disciplinary content knowledge, Prime encourages students to ask questions, explore materials, share and refine ideas, solve problems, and make informed decisions. Prime was developed to address known challenges in elementary science education, including limited teacher content knowledge, minimal time for science, and usability challenges in hands-on environments. With Activate Learning Prime, you can preserve the curiosity and open-mindedness of your students while linking hands-on explorations in the real world with accurate science content through thinking, reflection, and discussion. To learn more about how Activate Learning Prime can transform your elementary science classroom, search Activate Learning at edcuration.com and discover the power of hands-on inquiry-based learning. I was really interested in a comment you made in the book, and it helped me learn and think about this differently, for sure. When you said this idea that children learn to read until mm-hmm. third grade, and then after third grade, they're reading to learn. And there's this invisible line that happens because I've, I've always sort of adhered to that and, and understood that that as being a truth around, around literacy instruction. But you said um, it's actually a misconception because people of all ages, continue to learn to read with increasing insight, increasing depth, increasing engagement. We add to our vocabularies. We tackle new content or increasingly dense content or challenging content, which is why, you know, even as adults, we join book clubs. And so talk about the kinds of strategies included that help proficient readers and even advanced readers expand their skills because my suspicion is that people might listen to this and think, oh, it's a it's a book of strategies for remedial readers. Mm-mm. And that's not that's not right. No, no. 
Those, that's a great question. There's a lot in there. I mean, I would love to say, you know, the first thing I would love to say is that it's important to be on the same page about what, what do I mean by reading? Because if you say you learn to read until third grade, you might be limiting your definition of reading to just word level reading, maybe, or basic comprehension. But what we know is that texts become more and more and more complex as you move through the grades. And if no one's teaching you how to hand, it doesn't just like by magic, suddenly you understand satire, right? Or out of the sky, you are able to analyze authors' viewpoints and compare texts. That's all reading work. It is. So being able to handle more complex texts means you need instruction and more in strategies to handle that, that level of complexity. So yeah, there's new strategies in here for if we're talking about narrative reading, things like satire, allegories, helping kids to understand complex themes or multiple themes, symbolism, right? So some stuff that you probably like, oh yeah, I did that in high school or I did that in middle school when we were doing like our novel studies, more complex, sophisticated thinking. And then with expository texts, being able to recognize author bias, evaluate sources, right? That's how many people, even adults, you know, right? You go on Facebook sometimes and you're like, I would like to teach you a strategy for how to evaluate the validity of the source you just shared, right? Right? We Like even as adults, we need this. And I don't want to forget engagement motivation. That chapter is really important. I was talking to a colleague the other day and he was saying, you know, I got to be honest, since the pandemic, I'm just having such a hard time finishing books. I used to tear through novels. I used to spend all this free time reading. And I just find myself much more distracted nowadays. And he said, I use one of your strategies. <laughs> he said, I'm breaking up my reading into smaller chunks. I try to sit down and just do at least one chapter at a time. Even though I know it's not as much as I used to read, at least I'm making my way through the book eventually. So even adult readers, I think for attention, concentration, motivation, engagement, making choices about what books they read, or you mentioned book clubs, having discussions, yeah. having really good, where I'm really listening to the people I'm in discussion with, where I'm contributing valuable insights and ideas. Yeah. All that is reading and all of that warrants instruction, not just in the primary grades, but all the way through. You know, it really does. And those text analysis skills are what make reading so rich and so interesting. And and I think your friend is not alone. We're losing a lot of that. We're becoming less and less adept readers as a society. Yeah. I don't know if you've had um, Dr. Marianne Wolf on as a guest yet, but I just love her writing on this particular topic. But she talks about this idea of the deep reading brain mm -hmm. and how digital reading has interfered with our ability to get into this deep state. And so it's partly, you know, I think it's partly stress and anxiety of the pandemic, but I think it's also the way in which we consume text now as adults, yeah. actually even children, a lot of scrolling, clicking on hyperlinks, jumping from one thing to another. It messes with our attention and it, she says, messes with our deep reading brain and our ability to really engage deeply and to think deeply and to empathize with characters. So I would say wherever we've got a challenge, that's where a strategy could help. Marianne Wolf's book is called Reader Come Home. So you mentioned the research, and I do want to talk about the research. The references <laughs> for the research are 30 pages long, which is amazing. So obviously, it didn't take you 30 years to write this book, but I'm so curious how you went about researching and selecting the strategies in this book. Yeah. it. Um... 
I like to give myself these challenges. <laughs> now, I also know my limitations <laughs> and I do not have a PhD and I needed help. I started reaching out to researchers that I know and I really respect. And I said, do you know anybody who's in between their doctoral program and a job who might be able to do this with me? And thank you to Rachel Gabriel. She put me in touch with this phenomenal postdoctoral researcher from Michigan named Gabriel Delavecchia. And he is my hero. I said, I never want to do anything without him again. So our process was this. I'd send him a draft of one chapter. He'd read it. He knows a lot of research anyway, but also he went in search of research citations that either support or extend some of the stuff I'd already drafted. And from that process, we cut, 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 cut stuff out that were really we couldn't find research support for. He sent me articles to read that gave me new ideas. I created a second draft, sent it back to him. He helped me to summarize and choose the studies. Sometimes I chose studies and he would say, yeah, the methodology on that one's not great. I wouldn't include that one. Let's include this one instead. So he had this knowledge of being able to understand what even a good study was. So I feel really grateful to him and really confident that what I ended up with was 700 citations that are really powerful, strong citations that link every single idea in this book to peer-reviewed research. So Gabriel, amazing. Yeah. You amazing. also got, you you have this little section on each of the pages called hat tips, where you tip your hat to different educators. So some of the strategies came from educators across the country, I'm guessing. What was that process? Yeah, sometimes it's other colleagues of mine who have written professional books where they had a kernel of an idea that I borrowed. None of it's directly from anybody, but things that I, I was inspired by or I wanted to make sure people knew about those other educators as well to check out their work. So I gave some hat tips to colleagues as well. Since we're talking about research and Jennifer has written a book on reading strategies, I had to ask her to weigh in on the ongoing and currently hot debate around the science of reading and balanced literacy versus structured literacy. My favorite definition of science of reading comes from the people actually doing the science, which is the researchers themselves. Yes. So if you talk to if you talk to the researchers themselves, they will say the science of reading is about looking at all the science, all the research, all the literature about all areas of reading. So from phonics to motivation, executive functioning skills, comprehension strategies, all of it, and informing your practice based on that research. I'm 100% behind that. But I want to be clear that this book and the strategies in this book fit anywhere. It doesn't matter what approach you use to teaching reading. It does matter to me that you know it's research-based, and in that way, I guess it's aligned to the science, so would fit in the science of reading classroom. And I know many people that use my work use a balanced literacy structures, like giving kids time to read and working with them in conferences and small groups and teaching explicit mini lessons to the class and engaging kids in purposeful read-alouds with think-aloud and stop and jots and things like that. So it's it really works in any kind of classroom. There's a lot to still learn. There always will be in every discipline. One of the many reasons I love this profession is because we always have the opportunity to learn new things, mm -hmm. up our game, and do what's best for kids. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's super helpful. And I think that you make a, a fabulous point in that it doesn't have to be an either or proposition. Maybe why can't it be a both and? Like there's good strategies in all of these camps. <laughs> 
and that the your book can umbrella and enhance all of that instruction regardless of of what camp a teacher or or a specific curriculum may fall into and so these strategies are equally effective and applicable regardless of what curriculum or program they're layered on top of is that is that correct yeah that's an important point is that this is not a curriculum this is not a program. It's a resource that's meant to help teachers respond to what they see. And it could be, I'm responding to a standard that I know all my kids need extra support with that I that's in my curriculum, but I know they need another couple of lessons with it. So I'm going to dip into this book and find it. Yeah. Or it could be, I taught this lesson and there's these three students who still just aren't getting it the way that my curriculum explained it, or I explained it through my curriculum. Let me tip, dip into this book and find a few more ideas for how to support them, right? So for responsive instruction, for supplementing curriculum, that's what this is. It's not a curriculum. It's not a scope and sequence. It doesn't have a predetermined order. It's a fabulous companion. And to be fair, no curriculum can address every possible eventuality or fill every learning gap. So it's not a weakness in a curriculum that you can use and probably need a companion book of strategies. Absolutely. And I, I think that's such an important point as you know, states go through adoptions of new curriculum products. There could be some really great curriculum, but it comes down to the teacher. And the research is very clear that the teacher matters. And one of the things the teacher is doing is continuously assessing and teaching responsibly Using that curriculum, sure, as their as their core of what they're doing in the classroom, but you've got to have your eyes on kids and you've got to have tools that help you to respond to what you see. And that's what's going to help more kids be successful readers. That's why we're not all just trying to learn everything off of YouTube. You can learn a lot of stuff off of YouTube, but YouTube is not going to be responsive to how you're holding your fingers around the neck of the guitar or whatever. You know, it can't see you. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah. So is there anything else that you would love for our listeners to know about this book? Well, we talked about the visuals and across the book, 200 of them are new. So I'd love to give a shout out to Tiffany and Meredith, who are two educators who helped me to illustrate all the new charts in this book. I did some, they did some, theirs are prettier than mine. And one other really big thing that was new and a big undertaking is every strategy, even some of the ones that stayed from the first edition were dramatically revised because I changed all the lesson language in the book around a core set of new recently published texts that I chose because they're very diverse and inclusive and really current. And so that's another thing I'm excited about is for for teachers to get to know those texts if they don't already and to kind of see how they can be used again and again and again to teach many strategies across the book. I would love for some of your other resources to be available to our listeners as well. Would you share what they can find at your website? Because you also have online courses. So tell us a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So my other books, they all are in this literacy instruction domain. I've got books about small group instruction and conferring for both reading and writing. There's a writing strategies book as well, which is formatted the same way, but for writing strategies. Understanding text and readers is about comprehension and understanding development through increasingly complex texts, what to expect of readers, what to expect of the texts. And then I have a complete comprehension resource, which is for assessing and teaching comprehension. On my website, you can also find a little store. It's a terrible store because everything's free. 
So <laughs> everything on there is you can just download it. That's yeah. not a terrible store. That's a wonderful store. <laughs> the best kind of store, we right? Love that store. <laughs> Go in and you take what you want. Yeah. So you just download whatever you want. There's lots of companion resources like study guides or black wine masters or self-reflection forms you can use with kids or ways for kids to keep track of their goals themselves. I also compiled a ton of articles, podcasts where I've been guests or have guest blogged or things like that. They're all there as well. So if you wanted to read a short piece on some of the topics we talked about today with your colleagues, um, that's all there and freely available as well. My online courses actually are I'm updating them now, so they're not really available right now. But what you can find is my speaking calendar. Where I'll be doing workshops and you can find out more information about my consulting team and how to invite them to your school. You'll find links to Jennifer's website, all of her books, Marion Wolf's book, and to Jennifer's free store in the episode notes. Go there. There's so much great stuff. And to support your lively classroom even further, you'll find information about today's sponsor, Activate Learning. Jen Potager from Holly K-5 Academy in Michigan says, Activate Learning's prime curriculum supports the new generation science standards and three-dimensional learning in every way. As an inquiry-based learning program, students actually experience the scientific process. We're so glad you tuned into the podcast today. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. If you have a tool that has reshaped learning in your classroom, school, or district, and you'd like to share it with our podcast audience, let us know in the comments or reach out to us through our website at edcuration.com. We hope you'll visit us again for the next episode of Reshaping Learning with the Ed Curation Podcast.